we're in a series going through Psalms 23, and today's our final uh, installment of the psalm. So we're going to go through verse 6. Every week we've gone through one of the verses, and we kind of just talk, walk through it. And here's the thing about Psalms 23. It's one of the most famous uh, psalms you find in the Bible, one of the most pra- famous prayers. Every funeral you've gone to, maybe almost every funeral you've gone to, they've read this psalm. Uh, but it's not just for the dead, it's for the living. And uh, what we find in this psalm is David, when he's writing this, he'd already gone through a lot of challenges in life, right? And so Psalm 23 is written from a season of anxiety and unknown. The season we're in has a little bit of both of those, right? Uh, COVID was kind of like that. Now going into the political season, it's kind of like, what in the world is going to happen? What else can take place this year, right? 2020, I, I heard we're getting snow this week. Like, when does it snow in summer, right? <laughs> I had to go, I have to go like buy winter gear to be able to ride my bike. What's up with that, right? So it's a season of anxiety unknown. Just all these things are taking place, and people begin to ask these questions like, what in the world? Well, David, when he wrote this psalm, he was most likely on the run from his son, who was trying to take over the kingdom. Uh, so he, he was, his son was trying to become king. He was trying to chase his dad to kill him. And so David is going through a season of unknown and anxiety. And what he did was um, he, he, he focused his attention not on what wasn't working, but on who God was. And so really we can say that Psalm 23 is to help give us strength in the midst of struggle. If you ever find yourself in a season of struggle, Psalm 23 is a great passage to go to to give you strength in the middle of uncertainty and in the middle of struggle. All right? So it positions us to have strength when we need it the most. Um, one of the things that we said during this psalm is the safest place is not always the most comfortable place. Where God leads us is not always the places that are really comfortable. Sometimes it is. But a lot of times it's the place where God is leading. It's the place where God is. That's the safest place for our life. And as a good shepherd, he's trying to get us there. So he's, he's, he's leading us, right? And so we know that even hardship and even difficulties can be really good for our growth. And so when we go through those seasons, God is wanting to develop something in us. And last week, we talked about how if God is for us, if God is with us, then nobody can stop us. Nothing can be against us. We have to be able to allow God to lead us. And so if you missed any of the messages, this is week six. I would encourage you to go back and listen. I promise this series will be one that will encourage you whenever you find yourself just maybe challenging and struggling with, with things in life, all right? So do me a favor. Let's read Psalm 23 together, and we're going to jump into today's, the last part of, of Psalm 23. So read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So each week we take one of those six verses, right? Psalms very short. Psalm 23 is six verses long. And so for six weeks we take one of those verses and walk through it and say, what does this mean to us? Um, one of the things that the Old Testament and the New Testament, it, it, what it does compare to humans to is sheep, right? So a picture of this really cute sheep. I told a joke last week, and it turns out um, that maybe it should have been a brunette, not a blonde. Um, because there's a lot of people who said I didn't get it. And they, the common factor was they were, they were brunette, right? So, so I have a brunette joke. Just kidding. <laughs> so I, I, I looked for some more jokes to be able to share today, right? Um, I looked and looked and looked, but they were all bad. So I won't share any of those, right? They all had that kind of thing. It's like dad joke, cheap jokes. Anyways, you can Google it. 
what I did find was amazing videos. If you want to like see like um, how how sheep they're, they're pretty dumb, but they 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 can do one thing. They can recognize their shepherd's voice, and they can hear him and recognize the difference between him and others. So I watched this one video. It had this test, right? So there was these three individuals that weren't the shepherd, and they got up and they made these noise, right? They clap and make all this noise, and the sheep just ignore them. Next person gets up and makes his calls, and, and nothing happens. And the fourth one gets up. He's the shepherd. He claps his hands and shouts this, this phrase, and all the sheep pick up their head, and they all go, Mah! and they all run to him. It's pretty cool. Um, and then I saw another video where there's these two big groups of sheep coming through, and you think this is like the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, when you, when you see like at the big cities, like the subway, and these people like, you know, converging and, and mixing in, you see these two massive herds of sheep coming together, and you're thinking like, this is bad. They're going to be at loss and mixed up. But sure enough, they just walk through, and they begin to follow the voice of their shepherd. And before you know it, they've all gone their separate ways. Nobody's missed them. Nobody's lost. And it's just really, really interesting to see that um, that sheep, they have the ability. They're not very smart. They're not very aggressive, and they can't protect themselves, right? So they're kind of helpless, kind of like sometimes humans can be without outside intervention. We can uh, fall and find ourselves in really bad situations. And so uh, Isaiah says that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray at some point. And all of us at some point might go astray again. But the good shepherd who loves us and cares for us, he wants to get us back on track. So even when we find ourselves off course, the good shepherd is trying to lead us and guide us. Right? So throughout scripture, we're compared to sheep, which means sometimes we don't make the wisest choices. Sometimes we need help from God. And one of the things that I said that's so amazing about Psalm 23 is David is not just encouraging himself as he sings a song. He's, he's, he's reminding himself about who God is. And so every verse, we find these, these characteristics of God, right? And in the Old Testament, they're, they're the names that they've called God. So, for example, we said that, first of all, it starts with God, right? The Lord is. The Lord is my shepherd, so God is. And, and the different names for God, first the shepherd, um, our provider, Jehovah Jireh, you might have heard that name before, right? So they, they use these names to explain who God is in his, in his, in his nature, his characteristics. And throughout the whole psalm, every week we talk about one of these names, right? So our provider, he's our Peace, Jehovah Shalom. He's our healer. He's our righteousness. He's, a, he's our, my favorite one is our, he's present. God is present. Jehovah Shalom means he, God is there. Whenever we're facing something difficult, he's there. And then last week he said he's our defender, Jehovah Nisi. And so David's referring to these different characteristics of God's nature. And the same way he starts, he ends. And essentially we can just say this, that God, he just is. God is. And, and he ends the whole verse by saying this, that, that I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So when you're reading your Bible... And most translations do this, not all of them do, but most of them do. When you see the word Lord capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, what that's referring to is the main name of God. That is like the major name of God. We know it as Yahweh, but the people, the Hebrew people, they, they were so cautious with that name, they wouldn't pronounce it. It was the unpronounceable name. Um, they, they, they wouldn't even write it down. So they, instead, they, they would refer to that name as Adonai, right? And so throughout the Psalm 23, David is pointing to all these different names of God. The main, the main one, though, he's saying he is Yahweh. Yahweh means like the one that created. Like the one that, everything that's created has come from him, right? This is the creation, this creator who made creation. He is who, who was and who always been. And so this name Yahweh is so, so important. And then throughout time, it's been cha- changed to Jehovah, right? They kind of tra- translate, translate to Jehovah. The reason is because the Hebrews believed so much in the commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain. They didn't want to say it in an unworthy manner. Uh, even when they write it, even today, if you, if you read some of the Jewish people that write, they don't write uh, uh, G-O-D, they write uh, G-D, because even when they're writing, they, want, they don't want to take the name of God in vain, and so they're very cautious with it. 
And so for them, when David said God is, he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. He said, I'm talking about God. Like, he is everything, right? And so it begins with God and it ends with God. If you ever wonder about life, it begins with God, it ends with God. And he, he invites us into this journey in Psalms 23 to say, uh, through, through, the, through life, let it start with God and know that God will, will follow. So let's jump into the sixth verse, Psalm 23. Um, before I do, though, let me, let me say this. I was talking about the sheep, you know, uh, following the, the shepherd's voice. Uh, we're in a very um, challenging season, right? It's not just COVID and it's not just racism, it's, it, it, the, the political climate, all that. There's all these voices that come at us. And sometimes we're asking, like, what voice should I be listening to? What, um, what exactly is, is there? And sometimes the voices aren't necessarily wrong. They just don't necessarily have the whole, the whole picture of a big story, right? They don't always know what's going on. Uh, my mother-in-law, she told us a story about this one time that um, she wasn't feeling well, and she wanted to go to the doctor, and she's praying, like, God, is this something you have for me? And essentially, she, she sensed that God says, doctors, to seek wisdom and counsel is a wise thing. He just said, make sure you don't ever let the doctor's voice be more important than my voice. So the doctor says something, but it's opposite of what I'm saying. Don't believe the doctor, believe me. And in that moment, she was free to say, I'm going to seek counsel, but as long as that voice doesn't go above God's voice, it's a good voice. It, it can be a helpful voice. And I remember hearing that. It reminded me of saying, no matter what voices are out there, we have to make sure that their voice doesn't over, override God's and doesn't supersede God's when he's speaking. This is why it's so important, because in our culture, in the day that we're in, we get a lot of different voices out there, right? And depending on what side politically you lean, those voices are going to influence you to believe something that might be true, might not be true, right? We put, I think as Americans, we put sometimes too much stock into politics, and we think of the, the leader as a messiah. We think of the leader, and this is on both sides, right? Previous president, a lot of people said if we can only get the right person in, then all the things can change. Eight years after that term, it's kind of like, well, I guess we didn't really change everything we thought, so we need the next right person in there. And that story just keeps going on and on, right, on both sides. And if we're not careful, we let politics actually dictate the way we live more than what God says. And I believe Psalm 23, as we read it, David is saying, don't ever miss out on what God is speaking. Because he's the good shepherd. He's going to lead us. And if we're not careful, the wrong voice will lead us astray. Even some of them are good voices, voices that we trust, they can lead us astray. So when David, when he's writing, he's saying this at the end of the psalm. He's saying, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So if David's the earthly king, he's talking about a heavenly king, right? And notice the two characteristics he says are the most important characteristics there that you'll begin to see in your life. It's goodness and it's unfailing love. Sometimes as you say mercy, so it's your goodness and it's your mercy, right? Goodness, it's a good word, it just means good. So creation, God creates something and he says, let there be light, and there's light. And then the first day he rests and says, it's good. And the second day he creates and says, it's good. The first time we see something that's not good is when Adam's alone. He says it's not good that man's alone. And so over and over, we see this word good, right? It's, it's just what works. And, and, and God is saying, I, I, I want something good for your life. And then unfailing love refers to a relationship. What, one thing you know about Scripture, about Psalm 23, is it's a psalm on a relationship. It's about God wanting to be your friend. It's about God wanting to be your, the leader in your life. It's about God wanting to know you in a personal way and you knowing him in a personal way. And so when he says unfailing love... It's talking about a, a covenant relationship. So when God has this relationship with people in the Old Testament, like, like Abraham, he's saying, I want to have this relationship with you, but you're humans, so you're going to fail, but don't worry, I'm going to stand in the gap, I'm going to help fill that gap that you're, where you're weak, I'm going to be there. And this unfailing love he talks about, it's really about a relationship, a relationship that's supposed to last. And so when he says goodness and, and unfailing love and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, 
this idea of pursue, what he's saying is when you follow the shepherd, you can expect some good results to happen in your life. And the reverse of that would be when you don't follow God and you follow some other voice, you can expect negative consequences to come into your life. And he's saying, when he says he's going to pursue you, you guys ever see National Geographic where the, the, the lion is in the bushes and it's going and then you see the little gazelle pop his head up like, huh, something's not right here. And then it goes back to eating and ah, gets attacked, right? Or you see the cheetah chasing the gazelle and he's running like crazy everywhere, right? So that cheetah that's, per, that's chasing the, the gazelle, that's the word pursue. What's interesting that David uses this word is that this would be the word that the, the wolves and the lions and the bears would be doing for the sheep. Instead, he reverses and says, not only, you know, the animals aren't going to chase you, God's going to follow you. He's going to pursue you. It's an active, it's an active nature of what God is trying to do in our lives. He's not just a distant God that doesn't care. He's speaking, he's leading, but then the rest of what follows is goodness and mercy. What follows is goodness and his unfailing love. So David is saying, when you follow God as a good shepherd, you can expect goodness and you can expect his unfailing love to follow behind. So what he's saying is, the results are going to be good. And David writes from perspective who understands both, right? He's made foolish decisions. He's made wise decisions. And now he's writing from perspective saying, hey, trust me. When God is a shepherd, you can expect goodness to follow. You can expect his, his unveiling love to be there with you, right? And he's saying these are two characteristics that you need to know God is going to allow in your life. And he says all the days of my life. It's the same idea that Paul tells us in Romans eight twenty eight. So Paul, going through difficulties, hardships, you know, facing a lot of challenges in life, he gets to a place where he says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purpose, his purpose for them. So Paul gets to this place and understands, says, no matter what I face, everything, if I face COVID, God's going to work it for my good. If I face a really difficult political season, God's going to work it for my good. Paul's at this place where he says, as a, as a Jesus follower, there is nothing that the world can do that will cause me to lose. I win no matter what. So everything, he'll work for our good. It's the same idea that David is saying, right? That when we follow the good shepherd, everything in our life is going to be turned for something good. Even the bad things, God will turn it into something good if we'll allow him to lead us, if we'll allow him to work in our lives. And he invites us into this journey to say, um, when you choose what's wise, you, you, you will have the results that, you, that you've always been looking for. Um, so in those times of season when life is kind of maybe a little... Um, it's, it's confused, right? It's confusing. Maybe it's a little perplexing. You don't know what's going on. David is saying, be clear that one day, God will explain all that to us, but in the moment, just trust and when you look back, goodness and mercy are going to follow your decision that you make, right? Because here's the, here's the truth. Something is following your choices. Something is following your choices. Is it goodness and mercy, or is it the destruction that comes behind? See, if the enemy can get the sheep isolated in a way and listen to the wrong voice, the sheep loses his life, right? It, it gets taken out. Um, so in, in Scripture, when, when we understand that something's following our choices, the Proverbs talks about two people. There's a foolish person, and there's a wise person. The wise person understands something about life. It's connected. I make a decision today, the results to, tomorrow will be, will be the results of what decisions I made today. It's connected, right? My decisions are connected. A foolish person doesn't make the connection. A foolish person says, what I do today is really not going to affect tomorrow. Right? We'll just do it for today's more important than tomorrow, so I'm going to live. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't, but they make the wrong choice because they don't see the connection. And throughout Scripture, Jesus, God is inviting us to say, be a wise person that sees the connection between the two. Right? C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, human history is a long, 
terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. And that's a good summary of our history. If you look back over all the difficulties and all the struggles throughout the world, it's just it's a long, terrible history of man trying to figure out something to make him happy that's not God. David is inviting us into a different story. He's saying if you'll make God first, your story won't be a long, terrible story. It's going to be a good story that is followed by goodness and mercy. It's going to work, right? Why? Because he understands that life is connected, that when the shepherd speaks, he's going to lead you somewhere for your good. He's going to lead you somewhere you're going to grow, where I'm going to grow. I get to a place where I really enjoy life. And he invites us into this, into that, that relationship of saying, let me lead you on this journey so you don't have a terrible history and a terrible story. Sometimes I'll have these conversations with people that aren't Jesus followers. They're curious about me as a pastor. Some of these friends that you know don't follow, and we'll, we'll have conversations about God and about life. And sometimes I'm like, man, it must be really boring for you to you know follow Christ, be a Christian, because all your friends taken away, you know all that. What they don't understand and miss out, misunderstand is that when I'm following the shepherd, the good shepherd, he's leading me to the places I need to be that are going to be good for my life. And a lot of times when we have this conversation, they think that I'm not having fun. I understand that I have peace and I have, I have these things in my life that they're missing. In fact, well, usually the conversation will begin to talk about relationships. And a lot of times their relationships are working because they're doing the wrong things. And the question I always ask is, how is that working out for you? So if your life is so good without God, how is that working out for you? And if they're honest, they'll say, you know what, honestly, it's not. And I say, there's a reason. Because you have no, you're not going down a path that works, you're going down a path that doesn't work. And the enemy always lies to us and says, if you'll go down this path, it'll be better for you. Right? Like I said last week, he's always pointing to a different table. He's always trying to get us to a different life. Because he doesn't want us to be satisfied. He doesn't want us to, to see what's working in the moment. And he distracts us away from it. So how's that working out for you? If you're having a conversation with somebody and you really want to help them, Ask that question. So how's that working out for you in your marriage, in your finances? Well, if it's not working, why do you keep doing it, right? The insane person keeps doing the same thing over and over, hoping something different is going to happen. Something different doesn't happen until we do something different with our lives. Um, let me give you an example, right? So every single day, we have a choice, right? Uh, Proverbs says that there's two voices that call out. One's wisdom and one's folly. And every single day, we have a decision to make. And wisdom calls out and says, hey, you should go this way. This would be the good shepherd saying, trust me. And then folly calls out, this would be the enemy, that says, um, and, and the enemy, when, when he tempts us, he always promises something he can't deliver, right? So this is Adam and Eve. God says, you can have any tree you want, just don't have the, the one in the center, right? Just avoid that one. But the enemy says, hey, let's go for the one that you can't have, right? And every single day we have a choice to, to follow wisdom or to be foolish. And then our next decision Right? So it doesn't just, one decision doesn't make your life. It's decision after decision after decision. So whether we made the wrong or the right one, we still have an opportunity to make the right one or the wrong one. And if we just play this out for a while, over, over a few weeks, and this might be just one week, right? That we're playing, uh, playing this out, we make a wise choice, make a foolish choice, make a wise choice. The good news is every foolish choice, you can always stop and make the right choice moving forward. Bad news is you can always make a foolish choice even after a lot of wise choices. We have to be aware of that. But at some point, you have to understand that there's going to be two paths. There's going to be two destinations for these choices. One's going to be a feast, and one's going to be a funeral. If you're the sheep following the good shepherd, right, he's trying to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death to a table, right, to a feast, not to a funeral. If you're following the enemy, you will become the meal for somebody else, right? You will find a funeral because you'll find death. That's what God promised them. You do your own way, it's not going to work out. But if you follow me, I'll help you on this journey. Because here's the truth. Your direction, right, the path you're on, 
Not just the intention you have, it's going to determine your destination. So it's the direction, not the intention of your life, that determines where you end up. So you're following God. He's saying, here's the direction. Here's the path I want you to go on. Not just what you intend when you wake up, like I'll make good decisions. No, no. What are you actually choosing to do? Who are you following? Let me help you on this journey. It's like, it's like David. This is what he says in Psalm 16. David says this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence, the fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So David writes this psalm, Psalm 16. And in it, he says, I'll not be shaken, for you're beside me. Right? You're right beside me. David has this, this perspective of life of saying life is connected. If I stay on the path of life, I can expect good things. But if I get off the path of life, I can expect destruction and harm. And the question is, which path are you going to choose? What, what, what are you going to choose? And David says, when, I, when he's behind, beside me, I have no fear. I, I'm going to win. I'm going to be successful because of where he's leading me, right? Um, and so he's saying, surely your goodness, surely your, your mercy. So goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And then he ends like this saying, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is David saying? He's referring to God's presence. He's referring to heaven. He's referring to our home, right? Eternity. There's hope. He's saying this life is not all there is that's going on. There's more to it than just what we see. This is why I say the Jesus follower can never lose, right? Because if COVID takes you out, you inherit heaven, you know? If, if you go through the worst of life struggles and sicknesses, you inherit heaven. We don't want that for anybody, but the truth is at some point, every single one of us in this room will go somewhere. The question is not, you're not if we're going to go, but where are we going to go? Where is your final destination going to be? What are you living for? There's a, a man, his name is Dr. Mark Rutland. He went through a season of depression, very dark season. Um, and he was going through this season. He was struggling. He was being to see some counselors. And one of the counselors encouraged him to begin to pray two prayers, Psalms 23 and the Lord's Prayer. And he, he credits these two prayers really to pull, pull him out of depression because what, what he said is in this journey, he realized that God was trying to help him even in the struggle. And he was mad at God because he was having to go through something hard where God was trying to develop something in him. He wrote this book. It's called 21 Minutes to Change Your World. The reason he calls it 21 Minutes is because um, it only takes 20, uh, 21 seconds, not 21 minutes, 21 seconds to change your world because it takes 21 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer. If you pray the Lord's Prayer, that's only 21 seconds. Psalm 23 takes about 30 seconds. And so he takes his two prayers and he shows the, 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 how, how they're very similar. So what David was, was praying and talking to God about, Jesus is telling us to talk to God about the same things, right? So the Lord is my shepherd, our Father in heaven. One comes from a perspective of a relationship with a sheep and a shepherd. The other one comes from a son and a father. And throughout the whole two, two, two prayers, he's saying that they're pointing to something more than us. It's inviting God to lead us on this journey to see that life is not about just about us, right? And so this is what Mark, Mark Rutland says about this last verse. He says, we are in the stream of forever now. So eternal life forever doesn't start after we die. It actually starts now. Like God invites us into the journey to be part of what he's wanting to do now. Not then. We're not waiting. We're actually supposed to do something with our life right now. That's why I love Back for Light. We're not waiting to make things better. We're doing something with our, with our lives, with our actions, right? Heaven will be ours, but goodness and mercy are following us at this very minute. When you live with this kind of perspective, right? God is asking me to do something. It's not always easy, but I know the results will be good in my marriage. I know the results will be good in my kids. I know the results will be good in my business. I know the results will be good because he's asking me to do that. And he invites us on this journey saying, let me lead you. You'll see the results. Why? Because goodness 
and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he's saying forever is not then, it's now. It starts now. It's the same idea that Jesus tells his disciples. In John 14, Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is a great, great verse, right, when we're going through seasons like we're in. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room at my father's home. So he's saying, guys, there's a lot of space at my dad's fat place, right? Like, just, just let, me, let, me, let me help you out. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I'm going, he says. And then Thomas, he interrupts and says, wait, wait, nope, we don't know where you're going. Wait, Jesus, time out. Um, we're kind of lost right now. This is a season of anxiety of unknown. We don't know what's going on. And Thomas says, no, we don't know. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? I'm still glad Thomas asked that question. Because sometimes in life when we get to a place like, man, I'm, I'm just confused. Is it red or is it blue? Is it mask or no mask? Is it whatever's going on? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? He said, no, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's so much bigger than both of those. And Jesus says this. Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus is saying, there's a way to God, and I'm the way. There's a path to God, and I'm the path, right? Nobody can come to the Father except through me. I'm the truth. You know what truth is? I'm truth. I created everything. God is saying, I created everything. I know how things are supposed to work. Don't let the things of this world pull you off course. Don't let the things of this world take you, take you to the side, right? Don't let the voices of CNN or Fox News or the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, whatever, don't let those voices become the ones that become the main thing in your voice. Let God lead you, right? And just saying, I'm, I'm telling you how to get there. I'm showing you the way to how to live. If you'll trust in me, I am the path. In fact, the Old Testament tells us there's, a, there's ancient paths. You should seek God for the, the paths that have worked because they work. You know, for for any, any season, any generation, they work. God's ways, they work if we'll only trust him and allow him to lead us. So as we end this psalm, this is my challenge, right? I think the psalm points to what Jesus is trying to tell us all along. It's this. Would you follow? Would you follow God every day? Every day. Would you make a decision to follow? And sometimes this is a moment-by-moment decision, right? You're saying, God, I want you to lead me. I'm going to allow you to lead me into my life. So speak to me. Um, during this, this, um, this series, I've been very challenged and convicted because uh, I think it was week three. I challenged us to pray Psalms 23, and I prayed it. And I remember saying, God, um, um, you, the Lord is my shepherd, right? And I asked God, are you really my shepherd? And there is a moment he says, no, I'm not. Like, you're your own shepherd. You're doing your own thing. You're not even focused on what I'm asking you to do. And, and I, was, I realized that in this journey, um, my knowledge of Bi- the Bible, my knowledge of Psalm 23, that's, it just can be knowledge, and it cannot have any application or, or, or practical help sometimes if I'm not careful. I memorized the verse. I prayed the verse. But in that moment, I'm saying, God, am I living it? And he says, not all the time. And I was very convicted because sometimes I think sometimes church and relationship with God becomes just that. It's a head thing, not a heart thing. It's a head thing. It's not an action thing, right? And, and in this journey, God is saying, I want you to live in such a way that you are letting me lead you on this journey. That when you seek me, you're not getting off course because it's so easy to get off course. It's so easy to listen to the wrong voices and miss God. And he's saying, let me lead you. So my challenge, just for Psalm 23, is I would encourage you memorize it, pray it often, but in the middle of it, live it out. Where, where you find yourself off course, you actually stop and pray and say, God, this is the Lord's prayer, right? 
like, forgive me my sins. Forgive me what I, my, my choices I've made. Like, help me not to, to go in the wrong direction. I stop. And just ask God to, to let you lead. See, being a Jesus follower, a Christian, just means that we're following his lead. David is saying, if you want your life to work, let God lead. When he leads, goodness and mercy, goodness and unfailing love are going to follow. Their, their results are going to be good. The choice is yours. But when you don't, many people will be asking you, how's that working out for you? Because it won't work. Because it never works. The enemy always promises something really good, but he never delivers on that promise. God promised something good, and he always delivers on that promise. And David is saying, hey, keep an eye out for that. You know, when I read the, the scriptures and, I, and, and Jesus' stories, one of the stories, one of my favorite ones he tells is uh, about these lost things. In Luke 15, he tells a trilogy of stories, parables, three of them, about somebody who lost something. And one of those stories is about a, a shepherd who loses one sheep. It says the shepherd has 100 sheep, but one gets lost. And it says the shepherd cares so much for his sheep that he leaves the 99 and he goes and chases after the one. The reason we exist as the grove is to go after the one. And as I've gone through this, this series on Psalm 23, I'm, I'm praying it's going to encourage people. But more than that, I'm praying that there's somebody that's lost that would say, God, I want you to be the leader of my life. And that the life is radically transformed. This is why we do church every Sunday. You know, we have, we have a, a saying here of the Grove is, we don't do church for us. We do church for those who are yet to experience this, right? We don't put on these things to make us feel good. We, we do services to help people connect to God. So that when they ask the question, how's that working for you? They say it's not. We can say, hey, we have something that does. And maybe today you're here and there's parts of your life that aren't working. And if I asked you, how's that working out for you? If you're honest, you'd say, it's not. And I would say, well, what is the cause of that? And if you're honest, you'd probably say, well, it's my selfishness. It's my desire to do my own thing. It's my failure of following God. And I would say the remedy for that is to say, you have to first humble yourself to say, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And the next step is you would actually say, I now submit God to lead, let you lead my life. I grew up in a home that, has, that looks nothing like the home my dad grew up in. I grew up in a home that looks nothing like my, great, my grandfather grew up in. I grew up in a home that looks nothing like, like my great-great-grandfather grew up in. Why? Because somebody told my parents about this good news that Jesus talked about. And they believed and they said, I want something like that. And they gave their life to Christ. And they began to let him lead their life. And instead of getting far off into the weeds and alone and, and by themselves isolated and killed, they found life in God. So I don't know abusive alcoholism in my life because they broke that for my family. And every single week, I have conversations with people that are watching online or have come to service, and they tell me their stories about how they were off in the weeds and they were off in addictions and they were off in all these difficult, difficult places. And somebody came along and said, hey, there's a better way. That doesn't work. And they said, I, I'm, I'll, I'll try Christ. I'll try what God has for me. And their life was turned and transformed. Some of you in this room, your life is not working. Some of you watching online, your life is not working. But today, that could be a, that could change. Today could be a start where you say, God, I put you first. God, I put you first. This life is not just about now. It's so much more than just now. Last week, I talked to a gentleman who watches online for the last, last few months. I had no idea he was watching. He said, I've been watching you guys. I committed my life to follow Christ, and there's a difference that's taking place in my life. 
that wants to get water baptized now and wants some of his family to get water baptized. I believe there's people in this room. I believe there's people watching that are ready for that next step. And before we end today, I would love to offer you the opportunity to take that step. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as you're in the, in the room? If you're here today and that's you, you find yourself off course, and I'd ask you the question, is, surely, is, is goodness and mercy following you or is something else following you? And your answer was, well, fear and shame and guilt and all the other things are following me. Well, you're, you're listening to the wrong voice. And today, if you're ready to let God lead, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If you're watching online and you're ready to make a decision because your life's not working, I'd love to invite you to say this prayer with me. If you're in this room, that's you. Would you do me a favor? Just lift your hand right where you're at. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to pray with you right there in your seat. If you're here today, that's you. Say, I, I need God. And I, I, I want to go your direction. Awesome. See a few hands. Anybody else? If you're watching online, would you pray this prayer? If you pray, raise your hand, would you pray with us? Pray with me? If you're in this room, would you pray with us so that they're not praying alone? Say this. Say, Father God, today I invite you into my life. I ask for your help. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Be my leader. Be my shepherd. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to show us a better way to give his life on my behalf. Thank you that he's alive today, one in help. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my choices, of my sin, my mistakes that have led me away from you. Today, I say yes to you. Jesus, name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate because I prayed. So good.